I'll just um, begin this presentation with. Um, oh, the, there is a my, my younger brother is uh, very much in the similar position where where I I used to be. Uh, but uh, one one popular thing that he is saying a lot is. Uh, and, and I met this not just in him, but in many other people that I meet. They think that Christianity is something uh, uh, boring, something that uh, is not interesting, or that has um, any attraction in it. And uh, that when you become a Christian, you can not have any fun anymore. Yeah. I don't know if anyone has, has heard of that. Any more worldly fun. Well... That uh, is true in some sense, but uh, that's what I would like to investigate also a little bit in this topic, or in this uh, presentation. Let me just share with you two quotes before I go further. Because there is a balance in amusement, even for Christians, and this might come as a shock to some people, but this is actually what... Ellen says, Testimonies 1, page 565, says, There are persons with a diseased imagination to whom religion is a tyrant, ruling them as with a rod of iron. Such are constantly mourning over their depravity and groaning over supposed evil. Love does not exist in their hearts. A frown is ever upon their countenance. They are chilled by the innocent laugh from the youth or from anyone. They consider all recreation or amusement a sin and think that the mind must be constantly wrought up to such, just such a stern, severe pitch. This is one extreme. Okay, so you get the picture? Some people say that. Oh, you can't have any fun being a Christian. You need to be always serious, never uh, laugh, or, you know, have this... Um, yeah. attitude and they say all recreation and all amusement is sin now is that true it is not true that is that is an extreme according to this then she says others think that the mind must be ever on the stretch to invent new amusements and diversions in order to gain health they learn to depend on excitement and are uneasy without it such are not True Christians, they go to another extreme. So let me ask you this question. How many extremes are there when it comes to amusement? There are two. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we only think it's one. We think, oh yeah, the, the, the farther away from amusement we are, the better off. Well, that's not necessarily true. There is a balance here. There is a, a what? There's a balance. Let me show you this other quote also. This is from uh, Adventist Home, page 513. It says, There is a distinction between recreation and amusement. And he says, Recreation tends to strengthen and build up. Okay? So that's um, recreation is basically to recreate yourself, to build yourself up. And then she speaks about amusement. Amusement, on the other hand, is sought for for the sake of pleasure and is often carried to excess. It absorbs the energies. 
So she makes a contrast between the amusement and recreation, but she doesn't say that it is necessarily purely evil, that amusement is purely evil. You understand? She says it is often taken to excess, and that word excess means it is going too far, right? The next sentence you can see is not a, a, a sin. Right. Next sentence says there is a great need of temperance in amusement, as in every other pursuit. So, you know, you can have fun as a Christian. You can do something that is uh, of an amusement. But we need to remember that there needs to be temperance in that. And uh, that it doesn't give us energy, but it actually takes energy. You understand? So if we, if we spend time in amusement, then we also need to spend time in recreation to help us recover from the amusement. Does that make sense? Uh, and she says, The character of the amusements should be carefully and thoroughly considered. Now, what's, what does that mean? The character of the amusements. So there are different kinds of amusements, correct? Some that are good and some that are not. And we need to thoroughly investigate what, how, what, what, what's the tendency of this amusement. He said, every youth should ask himself, what influence will these amusements have on physical, mental, and moral health? Will my mind become so infatuated as to forget God? Shall I cease to have his glory before me? So, in this asset, I just want to, or in this presentation, I would like to explore this balance. How can, can media be used in, a, in an appropriate, I'm, I'm going to speak specifically about media as an amusement, uh, and, and how can that be appropriately used but not taken to the excess? Where, where are the lines? And, and I'm, not, I'm not claiming to have all of the answers, but I would like to explore this together and feel free to, to comment yourself if you have if you have other uh, insights but I'd just like to share my own story I, I grew up in um, in a Christian home on the Swedish countryside and um, here's my family and three young boys at that time and then there was one more boy that came later on and uh, I, I lived out in the countryside and had a very good childhood, I must say. We, you know, we picked blueberries and um, mushrooms out in the forest. We went biking and uh, building um, tree houses in the forest. Were you? What? Were you? Who am I? Yeah. You can't tell. Well, I'm actually this one over there in the red shirt. <laughs> um, and um, I loved, loved the drawing. We went uh, fishing also with my, this is my father. And um, uh, other activities, skiing and, and, and all of these things. This is, many of these things I would consider um, innocent activities that many of them might be even recreational activities. But uh, this, this was uh, beneficial I believe my growing up out there in the wilderness, so to say. We have uh, here again my first Bible at the age of 10. 
And I had a great spiritual interest and a desire. I remember reading that first Bible. Actually, I still have it. And uh, that's what, the one I read for my devotionals. And it's, it's very... In, um, um, I, I was very inspired. And I, I even underlined as a 10-year-old boy. I was reading about Moses and everything that was happening. So my mind was, was interested in God at an early age. Um, then we moved to Africa, to Uganda. And um, that was also a very good place for me. We're chasing chameleons and um, having um, all kinds of animals. Here's a, a monkey and, a, and an antelope that we used to have. Uh, so this was this was this was a great environment for um, us to grow up in. And uh, Ella White says in Adventist Hall, page five hundred one, that in this age life has become artificial and men have degenerated. While we may not return fully to the simple habits of those early times, we may learn from them lessons that will make our seasons of recreation what the name implies, seasons of true upbuilding for body and mind and soul. This is an interesting quote also, because she says that we can't really go back to the simple life that, you know, it would be the ideal. Maybe. We, we, and we know today we are so dependent upon media and all these artificial things, we can't go back and, and just you know, live on a mountaintop and, and pretend that this digital world doesn't exist. We need to learn how to navigate through it. But, of course, if we strive for simplicity, this is a, a, a positive thing. Now, when I got back from Africa, tea or basically computer games became a very big part of my life. Uh, video games and, and all their forms and um, our parents they try to re restrict my use of the time and um, uh, but they um, things uh, they, they try to get me to do other things but um, I became addicted to computer games as I was playing them and I was soaked into this black hole of entertainment and I started to play first it was, it was so exciting when, you, when I started doing this and it was uh, I couldn't wait until I could do it again you know my parents would set limits that you can only play a few hours per day or an hour per day or something like that and uh, I was just craving for that again and to come back um, and eventually, this uh, I, I broke off from restrictions as I as I became older, and I was soaked into this uh, black hole, so to say. And everything else around me became boring, and um, I became a, a gamer. Uh, I went out into the I went to these uh, long parties. Have anyone of you heard? of those things. I went to DreamHack, the biggest, um, at that time at least, the biggest long party in the world. And I was sitting there, you know, sitting there five days in a row, and especially during the night, drinking uh, caffeinated beverages and uh, destroying our telomeres, as we've heard in these presentations, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, eating junk food and uh, just 
you know, enjoying ourselves, as we called it. So this took over more and more. I eventually also started uh, paying for these uh, games that I was buying them, and, and I would start to play online, and that was the ultimate hook, because now I could be social at the same time, you know? Well, I wasn't very social. But, you know, the, you, you have this feeling that you're in this whole world, and uh, all of these other people that are playing at the exact same location and it was just such a such a dopamine kick for me and I I, I spent days doing this I mean uh, it was it was completely uh, uncontrolled for me uh, it's actually so that I that science shows that um, computer games and all these kind of games, they are addictive. What's happening as you start to enjoy these things? Well, this is, a, this is the science behind media addiction. Well, it's not just about computer games, but media addictions in, in general. This is from uh, critical perspectives on ADHD. Thomas Armstrong writing. Television programmers need to grab the attention of their viewers in order to sell their products. To make a living, programmers use this trick of jolts per minute or second to grab their viewers' attention. What happens, however, is that over time our attention becomes habituated to this stimuli. The next time we hear that loud sound, or see that blast of light, or experience that sudden camera shift, we stop paying attention in order to get our, uh, and then in order to get our attention back, media programmers have to up the ant and increase the number of jolts per second. Thus, over a period of years, we've seen an exponential growth in tempo and intensity of stimulation on TV and in video games. At the same time, we have seen a steady decrease in the ability of viewers to maintain any kind of sustained attention. In short, we've become a short attention span culture. So what does this mean? Well, the addiction comes because you have these jolts per second. This, uh, these are the kicks of, of dopamine. And, and where do they come from? Well, basically they come from uh, this... Uh, Sometimes there's fast changing pictures, if you've seen, if you've seen music videos or something like that, that's something uh, that triggers a, a, a reaction in your brain, which uh, becomes addictive. And that's what they call the, these jolts um, per second. Psychology Today says that this constant stimulation of, dopamine, of the dopamine system can be exhausting. And the constant switching of attention makes it hard to get anything accomplished. Now, I noticed that when I was addicted, uh, I, the only thing that mattered to me was this game. Especially was the Bible very boring to me. Because it sapped the, the spiritual interest from, um, from my life. And it became a dopamine uh, addiction. What is happening, basically... We like dopamine surges, and we get some of the best ones 
when we're hunting for something new. Actually, getting the new thing is a downer, so the hunt is where the best dopamine surges are found. So, it is as we're seeking to accomplish something, to, to receive something, that's when the dopamine levels are the highest. And so when you're playing this game, the purpose of playing this game is to get to the goal, right? Or you, you, you finish the game. And, but once you finish, what happens? Well, that's actually a, a downer. It's, it's a disappointment. You become disappointed. And you feel that, was this all? Now what? Now the excitement is gone. Uh, and that's what happened to me. As I was playing these games, I felt so excited. But then once it was finished, it was even worse than before. And I was feeling that, oh, what, what do I do now? And my body said, you need some more dopamine. Uh, maybe you want to play that new computer game that's coming out. If you play that one, then you will really feel happy again. And so that's what I did. And I got the newest game with the newest graphics and so on. It, but it doesn't, it, it's not sustain, it doesn't sustain, uh, it's not a sustaining, uh, lasting happiness. Job chapter 20 verse 4 and 5 says, Surely you know how it has been from old, ever since mankind was placed on the earth, that the mirth of the wicked is brief, is brief, the joy of the godless lasts but a moment. Mm -hmm. And this is what happened to me. Yes, it was fun to play these things, but the joy, the joy was just uh, short-lived. And actually what set in was rather, uh, I, I became more depressed than I used to be. In my childhood, as I shared, I was a quite happy kid and I was running around and doing lots of, of, of those things. But as I, be, as I got this addiction of computer gaming, um, it, 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 I became uh, less and less happy as well. It works basically as uh, high or fast carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. If um, you know, as physical beings, if we eat fast carbohydrates, what happens? Yeah, that your blood sugar levels spike. And it feels really good, you know, eating that chocolate or that uh, something, uh, that donut. It, it, you feel really good at first. But then, as time progresses, uh, the, the levels go down. The blood sugar levels go down. And eventually, they're even lower than what they were before. And this happens to the dopamine levels in our mind as well, in the computer games. And when we eat low carbohydrates, or low, I mean slow carbohydrates, then it, we, we do get the, the kick, the blood sugar level goes up, but they go up much, uh, much slower, and uh, it will be a lasting joy. Uh, but what happens if we eat uh, fast carbohydrates all the time, because at, at this time we're really hungry again, aren't we? And we, we, we really want something more to eat. And so maybe we eat some more of that. But what happens is that the, the blood sugar levels don't really reach as high as they used to do. And this is true of the dopamine levels also. That when the dopamine levels go up, 
and then they go down again and you feel depressed, then in order to get, to get even, uh, even up to normal, you need another, you need something more extreme, something uh, that has more excitement, um, greater action, faster frames per second, um, something like that. And otherwise it's boring. And so, you can, if you think of it that way, that these entertainments are like a donut to your blood sugar levels, but, uh, or, or to your, uh, your mental um, blood sugar levels. So what, if, we, if we continue to eat these things, eventually we, are, we might get uh, diabetes. Is that true? Or we are, we're more prone to have diabetes. Uh, and when we do these things with uh, with a mental fast carbohydrates, uh, we are actually preparing the way for depression. This is an American Academy of Pediatrics, which says that greater amounts of gaming lower social competence and greater Im uh, Im impulsivity seemed to act as risk factors for becoming pathological gamers, that's basically addicted gamers, whereas depression, anxiety, social phobia, and lower school performance seemed to act as outcomes of pathological gaming. So what is it? it's actually saying, this study that they did, says that depression, that great amounts of gaming lead to depression and anxiety. So actually, it's a false idea that these computer games will give us joy. That's what I thought. But it doesn't. It leads to greater depression. And I just read this testimony of, of, one, of one gamer that wrote this way, and I could identify with him. He said, I started playing video games at the age of five. Now I am 18 years old, and the only thing I like to do in my spare time is play games. The more I play, the more depressed I feel. But when I'm not playing video games, I feel deprived and annoyed. I used to have a lot of confidence, which is now depleted. And this is what happens. He, he is trapped in this sense. He feels depressed when he plays, but still, after he's playing, if he doesn't play, he feels annoyed and uh, deprived. So it, it's, it's a cycle that... Um, you get into and it's like chasing the wind if you if I can use Ecclesiastes uh, words uh, it says in Ecclesiastes 1.14 I have seen all the works that are done under the sun and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind you know the Lord wants us to be happy how many of you believe that and he wants he wants us to be truly happy if you could turn to John chapter 15, this is, this is just something I'd like to share because it's, it's crucial to understanding this idea of, um, of why God has principles about entertainment. John 15 and verse 10 and 11. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, 
and that your joy may be what? Now, if your joy is full, do you think you're joyful? Mm. Can it get any better if you have full joy? Mm. You know, everything that God is doing, the commandments that He gives, is for our joy. And sometimes uh, I can illustrate this by saying that God's commandments is not something that takes away joy from us. It is the path to joy. It is not even a condition on joy. If you know that, if you understand what, what the difference is, well, what do I mean by that? Well, um, a condition is like this: if if your mom tells you, if you make your bed and if you do this and if you do clean your room, then you can have ice cream. Have you heard any reasoning like that? <laughs> That's a condition, okay? You do this and this and this, and then I'll give you ice cream. And many people view the law of God in that way. That, oh, we, we, have, uh, we have to do all these things, we have to stop doing that and stop doing this, and, and then we have to overcome sin, and then God will give us the bonus of some ice cream, that is joy. That is not the way that Jesus has presents it. Actually, God's commandments is the path to joy. It is God's, God's commandments are the instructions on how to become joyful, how to eat ice cream, if you would. Understand? So it's like the explanation, this is how you become happy. And when and Satan, he comes in and he says that, no, 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 this is not how you become happy. This is not how you eat ice cream. This is you, you, uh, you eat, up the, eat the paper. That's how you eat ice cream. Or no, you throw away the ice cream and you stand on the pavement and you, you lick the floor and, and then you'll become happy. Then you will... It will, it, will, it will taste good. And God, he comes in and says, come on, you can't do that. Uh, that's not going to give you any satisfaction. And the devil comes and says, look at this mean God that just wants to take away all the fun from you. And we believe it. And millions of people are standing there, they're just licking the pavement, and they wonder why are they not happy. God wants you to be happy. And that's why he's telling you these things. The reason why I believe that my computer gaming was negative and destructive for me was because it doesn't bring me happiness. Truly. It's not wrong to seek happiness. It's not wrong to seek joy. But we need to seek it in the right place. Amen? It is estimated that an average young person will have spent some 10,000 hours gaming by the time they are 21. That's quite a lot of time, isn't it? And it doesn't lead to the true joy. I also used to watch a lot of, um, of television. And I believe television, again, is a media that can be used for a lot of good. We have Lifestyle TV here. And if you watch those things, hopefully you will be built up by it. But it's important to think about the, the content of what we're watching. Second uh, Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we are beholding, we're beholding the Lord. What happens to us? We become transformed. Thank you. That's right. When we are doing that, we become transformed. Into what? Into His image. Right? So by beholding, we become changed. When we look at things, 
that's actually making an impression in our minds and it is, it is going to change who we are. Uh, and what if we look at other at things that are destructive? Will it affect us? I used to say no, absolutely not. I can watch whatever movies and whatever uh, videos. Um, it doesn't affect me because it's just it's just a uh, it's not for real. But it does affect us. My, my um, thought pattern started changing. For example, I I used to watch this um, uh, humor uh, series called Friends. Maybe someone has uh, knows about that, but I, I it was so funny because they were they were uh, laughing and, and uh, um, all of these things. It's it's about for those of you who don't know it. Okay, how many of you know it, friends? Okay. You heard about it? You heard about it? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it was very popular and maybe still is. Uh, it's it's about some people just uh, telling funny things to each other and. Um, about their life, but basically, uh, one underlying uh, idea also that comes through in many ways is uh, immorality. For example, one guy there, his name is Joey, he always sleeps around with lots of girls, and that's really funny, you know. And what the, first, I was laughing at this and I was thinking, oh, that's so funny, I would never do that. But as time went by, you know, this underlying idea that, oh, it's, it's normal, it's okay to do those kinds of things, comes through in the message. And, under, and subconsciously, it affected me. And we might say, well, it doesn't affect me, I'm not going to do it. But think about it, as, uh, if we think about advertisement. How many of you are affected by advertisement? Yeah? You're humble people to admit it. Most people would say, no, I don't, I'm not affected by advertisement. Advertisement, I just... You know, as the newspaper advertisement is there, I just turn over the page, I'm not going to buy that. But why do people spend millions and billions of, of, the, of dollars and kroner every year on something that doesn't work? <laughs> do they? Or does it work? We use that advertisement as well, we are advising on impact one or whatever. Right. So we believe it works. Yeah. And it does work. And if it doesn't work consciously, it always also works subconsciously. Because once you've seen a brand of the something enough times, then you go to the store and you buy something, and if, if, if two products are the same price, uh, you pick the one that you've seen, isn't it? And the, the people know this, I mean, this is a fact. And so, Familiarity, they want to make you familiar with it. And the same thing is, is true when it comes to TV programs that are not upbuilding. It familiarizes you with sin and with, uh, with things that are not upbuilding. Um, what is the content of the movies that we're watching? The average child sees 12,000 violent acts on television annually, including many depictions of murder and rape. More than 1,000 studies confirm that exposure to heavy doses of television violence increases aggressive behavior, particularly in boys. This is, this is a proven fact that we are affected by what we're watching. Yeah. Little, little, something more amazing. It was like 
the compare Canada and USA and South America, South Africa, because mm -hmm. South Africa got television very late, and it was so clear that after they got television, no mm -hmm. matter what they were doing, mm -hmm. the crime increased crazy. Interesting. Oh. But in Canada, there's some kind of they're not having uh, more. There's more strict mm -hmm. rules. But the, the difference between Canada and US was not so big. Even that Canada was more strict with what they were seeing, and uh, I don't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. But the difference between having looking at television and not was very huge. Right, and and I, I think I think the content has a lot to do with it because. Uh, of course, television in and of itself, just sitting in front of a, uh, of a tube, and it, if it's consuming time and you're not out exercising, you're not activating your mind, sure, that is destructive in, in and of itself. However, um, I, I, not, I'm not, I don't think, as I presented in the beginning, I don't think that we need to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I think media is a powerful tool that can influence people, as we've seen that, that it, it does. It can influence people for good, and it can influence people for bad. And that's, that's the key that we need to, I believe, tap into. Uh, so, of course, we don't need to bring it to an excess, to, to, uh, an excess, but still, we can use it for good. But we need to evaluate the content of something that, is, uh, that we're watching. The psalmist says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. So did David watch the action movies of his day? Mm. <laughs> no, they didn't have action movies. Uh, but he, here's the principle. He didn't want to look at the violence. He didn't want to be entertained by it. Now sometimes we, we see terrible things happening, but if we're entertained by it, that's a different thing, isn't it? If we're enjoying it, and that's what the entertainment industry is doing. I mean, you, you have these movies, and, and the movies I used to watch, uh, there was a little talk somewhere, and then there was a half an hour uh, battle, and you saw all of the gruesome details of people slaughtering each other, and then you have uh, something else that, that's showing. And this is, this is totally breaking down morals. And um, this is not in accordance with what, what David was saying. We, as, as I said, Ellen White says, the character of these amusements should be carefully and thoroughly considered. Every youth should ask himself, what influence will these amusements have on my physical, mental, and moral health? Will my mind be so infatuated as to forget God? Shall I cease to have his glory? before me. I mentioned about uh, sexual behavior on TV. Today television has become a leading sex educator. Between 1976 and 1996 there has been a 270% increase in the sexual interactions during the family hours of 20, uh, that's 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Television exposes children to adult sexual behavior in ways that portray these actions as normal and risk-free, sending the message that people that sorry that because these behaviors are frequent, everybody does it. 
Sex between unmarried partners is shown 24 times more often than sex between spouses. Mm. That's quite interesting. While sexually transmitted infections and unwanted pregnancies are rarely mentioned. Mm. And not to speak about all of the broken hearts that are included in that. But this is, there is an, uh, an agenda, if you would. I don't believe in, in the, the conspiracy theories that there's all of them, but I know there's a conspiracy with the devil. He wants to get us, and he's influencing people to create material that, to, to promote his morals to us. And so we need to evaluate these things. What happened to me was exactly what Suzette Nantes' home, page 416. Oh, that the young would reflect upon the influence which exciting stories have upon the mind. Now, this is exciting stories. She didn't have TV in her day. But if you think about uh, how novel reading affected your mind, then you have the visual aspect on top of that in TV. And so I believe that we can see very many similar principles. Uh, and it's even more enhanced in, in watching TV. Just notice what she's saying. Can you, after such reading, open the Word of God and read the words of life with interest? Do you not find the Book of God uninteresting? That's what I found. There was, I went to church and that was the most boring thing. Because there were no action movie, uh, action taking place on the stage. There were no explosions behind the preacher. It was boring. Because I was used to all that action. You know? And that's what happens... Bible becomes boring. Now notice that she didn't say that everything you read is bad, correct? It is the certain type of books that you that, that she was warning against. She says that the charm of a love story is upon the mind, destroying its healthy tone and making it impossible for you to fix your mind upon the important solemn truths which concern your eternal interest. But Jonathan, there's one very important thing with the television, is this rapid... It is. ...that make you... Uh, uh, ...we uh, uh, So you can't discern, uh, see this bad. You just get it in through your frontal lobe. It doesn't function. So let's make it much worse. Yeah, and, and that, it's, it's with this jolts per second yeah. uh, thing that they were talking about. Yeah. The, the rapid change, it actually it, it, it triggers this uh, addictive behavior. It, it, it keeps your attention, but it makes your attention not be able to, to stay for a long time. Uh, and, and that is, is destructive. But if you're, watching, if you're watching Lifestyle TV, and you see this creature walking around, and you have a change of frames, maybe two per minute, you know, that is not going to significantly affect your mind. Uh, it, it is these, um, for example, the, now they've gone down to jolts per second instead of jolts per minute, like these changes per second. And that is um, destructive, I believe. So it, it's, about, it's about reflecting of the, the contents and, of course, the way that it is, it is presented as well. Um, one of the worst drugs out there is um, pornography. I will not go into that a lot, but um, it is. Um, let me just read this as uh, what it, what the effects of pornography are 
on a person. It, would, it existed in Ellen White's time as well. It says, in the cars, photographs of female in the state of nudity are frequently circulated for sale. The mind takes pleasure in contemplating scenes which awaken the lower base of passions. These vile images, seen through the defiled imagination, corrupt the morals and prepare the deluded and infatuated beings to give loose rein to lustful passions. Then follow sins and crimes which drag beings formed in the image of God down to a level with the beast, sinking them at last into perdition. And Jesus, of course, he agrees with this. He said that if anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in her heart, this is uh, something that will make you lose your soul if you're addicted to this. And, and we, I think, a majority, even among Christians, are addicted to this. So this is a, an, an, a, a horrible monster that infiltrates us through the media. And uh, it is one of the hardest things to break, but it is possible to do it. Uh, music, I won't say much this, about uh, that. Pornography, is that one of the hardest things to break? Mm, yeah, I believe so. And um, I don't want to present all the, the negative things. Uh, I, I think we've, we've seen enough of, of um, I hope that we've seen enough that we realize that uh, it is important what we look at, what we put in our, into our minds. Um, I was studying the Bible with a person in America this fall and I was sharing some of these things with him but then he then he protested and he said you know well I'm I'm watching TV uh, all the time when I'm home uh, videos I just pop in movies all the time and, and that, that's what I do and how how can I not do that I mean what else is there to do but you, you may laugh at that but that was his concern. And to so many people, this is exactly the same thing. Whenever a person is in an addiction, they feel that this is the whole world to them. What else can I do? There's nothing, more in, there's nothing interesting out there except this addiction. I was talking to some people, young kids, that were smoking outside the building, behind the building. They were, you know, Shudraket. Um, I don't know what the word is. <laughs> they were... Sneaking yeah, sneaking cigarettes. And so they were there smoking and I, I started, I went up to them because I got upset about this. Here they're teaching each other to, to do these bad habits. And I'm asking them like, what in the world are you doing? Why are you destroying your life like this? And all oh, they got very, you know, cocky and I, well, what else should we do? That's what they said. What else should we do? Play football? <laughs> And I'm like, well, there's so many things you can do, except smoking. But you know, when, when you're in this addiction, you, you don't see outside of it. You think that this is the only thing that's, that's good. And that's the same thing with this, this man that I was studying with. And so what I did for him was that I wrote a list of all of lots of things that he could do. He says, I, I can't just sit at home and just stare at my walls. It's like, no, you don't have to do that. And I started writing a list of of all the, the great things that he could do here, just some ideas, you probably have lots of more ideas. Uh, outdoor activities that you can do, kayaking, canoeing, swimming, golfing, skiing, skating, surfing, horse riding, and fishing, biking, jogging, climbing, 
hiking, berry picking, photography, spelunking, that's climbing caves, <laughs> uh, soccer, gardening, bird watching, snowmobiling, rafting, frisbee golfing, I mean, there is, uh, there's just an endless list of things that you can do. Uh, indoor activities, these are outdoor activities. Indoor activities, you can learn a musical instrument, you can go to the gym, you can do puzzles, I don't know, that's actually developing your frontal lobe, they say. Um, playing uh, tennis or singing in the choir, doing carpentry, scrapbooking, cooking, pet training, sewing, knitting, and giving Bible studies. Or having, not just giving Bible studies, but studying the Bible for yourself. And this is one of some, some people think that's, oh, that's not fun at all. Um, one person I was studying with about exactly this, he was into drugs and all these things. And he says, well, if I become a Christian, all I'm going to do is just sit and study the Bible at home. <laughs> no, there are lots of things that you can do if you just open your mind. But studying the Bible will become really interesting to you. And it is really interesting. I was sitting with my friends in Ekebehom um, just a couple of days ago. And, and we were studying Revelation, you know, real deep stuff. We're just studying together. And I, I tell you what, there were few things that have inspired me so much as that. Just sitting and, and, and learning these things and, you know, really turning every part of the text upside down to find out what does this actually mean. Studying Revelation 17, where we were studying, or the, something else. I mean, that just stretches your mind. That just helps you to, um, to, to grow. And I would do anything to do that, rather than sit at home and, and just play a, a video game. Uh, so your taste, your, your mental taste buds also change. But there, there's so many things. Doing aquariums, I actually did that uh, sometime in my uh, early days. I, I have aquariums, and you know, taking care of fish. Might sound like a time waster for you, but it's, it's developing. It's a much better thing than sitting and uh, doing computer things. And it's very beautiful and, and creates serenity in your mind to watch all these fishes swim around. It was funny, in the Danish television that have uh, just a picture of an aquarium. You can sit and look at the fish while mm -hmm. you're waiting for the next program. Right. That <laughs> <laughs> was nice. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I... I'll just say a little bit about social media because um, it well this picture is maybe a bit provocative but it, it it sends an idea at least um, again I believe that um, these things um, can be used for something very good uh, I don't believe that. Uh, in this all-or-nothing thing. As you remember in, in the first quote that I have, there are two extremes. And I believe the same is true with, with social media. Social media can be used for a good thing to keep in, in touch, just like email can. Is email evil? How many believe email is evil? Well, it can be evil. You know what? Because as soon as... If you check your email, that can be an addiction. And, and uh, especially when you have these... Um, and there was one study that they, they were writing about these uh, notifications that you get. Like, bing, you get it. And then the, the uh, dopamine levels start rising because, oh, who is it from? Where does it come from? Oh, I'm going to look at it. And you get this irresistible temptation to look at it and check who it was from. 
And they actually, in the study, they recommend people turning off their notifications and only having set times when they check e emails or, or these things. So here again, there is a balance. You can become addicted to it. And Facebook is, is one of those things that can um, addict your mind because of the rapid change of things. You know, when you scroll down on the Facebook page, you see one thing and then you see another thing and then you see a fourth thing. And you can watch something really fast. And that heightens your um, dopamine levels and can cause an addiction. Here's a res one researcher saying, the researchers found that one in three people felt worse after visiting the site and more dissatisfied with their lives, while people who browsed without contributing were affected the most. That's interesting. So if you... If you're not contributing, if you're just scrolling to look what other people are doing, that's even worse than if you are contributing and writing something yourself. Uh, we were surprised by how many people that have negative experience from Facebook with envy, leaving them feeling lonely, frustrated, or angry. Because many, many people, they put their value when they, in, in how many likes they get on when they change profile picture. I'm sure none of you have, have ever... Uh, than that, but it, this is a this is a big problem, especially um, it was in the study they said that especially among uh, ladies, uh, physical attractiveness was so important for them, and when they put this um, picture up, they were counting how many likes they had and how many likes another girl had, and then they compared who was the the most uh, popular one, and so this is a this is an addiction that is. Um, that, that can be devastating, but it can also be used for something good. However, I want to mention one thing. When we use Facebook for sharing good things, please, please make friend lists in, in, on your account. Uh, I don't know, how many of you know what friend lists are? Maybe not so many, you know. If you go to Facebook and you go to the site, I wish I could show it here. Um, but it, it's, it's really... Um, if you go to friends, you can add lists. And then what I have done is I have, I have added a list called Adventists. And then another list called um, Other Christians. And then another list called non-Christians. And then I put, I sort my friends into these categories. And this is so important because when you share, I mean, if you, if you want to share some, some information, most people, they just, you know, put it on uh, public and, and uh, they just share whenever they want to. And it just comes up and uh, then all, even non-Christians non or non-Adventists see something that will prejudice their mind against Christianity. So many times I've seen it and I just feel like, oh, why did this person do this? this is, so just be careful about that. Use it wisely. Use it so that um, if you want to, for example, when I share Ellen White quotes, maybe some of you who are my friends, you've uh, seen I, I share a quote. And uh, I share it to Adventists, the Adventist group. I don't share it to the, the non-Christians because they will feel like, what kind of weird person is this one putting all this, these quotes up here about spiritual... You know, I want to be careful about what I share so that uh, the right people get the right information. 
so use it use it wisely and don't let it take over your life one one thing that you can do as this research mentioned that you turn off notifications and you have set times when you check your Facebook account so that it does not um, maybe once a day only or something like that uh, so that it doesn't start controlling your life and you set a time limit for it if you are in an addiction it, it can be many different addictions I just want to give some hope at the end how can we break free from an addiction uh, if you have your Bibles please turn to James chapter 4 James chapter 4 and verse 7 Here's the first key. It says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If anyone has ever tried to break an addiction without God's help, you know it is, it is impossible. The first thing to do, what is that according to that word? Before resisting the devil, what do we need to do? Hmm? Submit to God. Submit to God. Thank you. Submit to God. What does that mean? Well, it means that you you humble yourself under God. Uh, you make a full surrender uh, without reservations. And this is the key to breaking any addiction. I was I was privileged as I was studying with um, with a lady in a, or two two ladies in America that were ex um, drug addicts and. Um, one of them was, um, she had stopped using meth and then she just quit smoking. But then she got back into smoking again and we started visiting her every, uh, every day. And uh, we, we didn't condemn her, we just told her that, you know, Jesus wants something better for you and what you need to do if you want to have victory. And she said, yes, I really want to have victory. We said, what you need to do is to surrender to the Lord every morning. Uh, I shared also a story with her of a, a young man that I was studying with in Malmö. He also wanted to break away from one of his addictions and he couldn't do it. Um, he tried but it didn't work. And I told him the same thing. I said, what you need to do is to surrender yourself to the Lord in the morning. And, and commit all your life, your life to him in the morning. And he said, well, you know, Jonathan, I tried that. And it works, those days that I do that. But the days when I don't do it, it doesn't work. <laughs> and I said, well, <laughs> that's how it works, you know. If you don't give God the control in your life, he's not going to force his, his power on you. And this, this lady, she, she said, she asked me a question after that. She said, do you, do you think that the Lord thinks that uh, marijuana is bad because you know it comes from nature um, and because in, there in Oregon where I was uh, marijuana is actually legal it's a legal drug so I was like well yes absolutely this is uh, even tobacco comes from nature but it is not meant for smoking and uh, she gave herself fully to the Lord and had the victory over smoking and over the marijuana. It works. And then there was this other lady that, that I was also studying with. 
and she told me the same thing. She had been an alcoholic, and she said, "People need to understand that the only thing that that can break this, that can break any addiction, the key to overcoming any addiction, is complete, full surrender to God. And when you do that, full surrender to God, then God takes control, or God God has the authority." To give you the power to overcome, but after we submit to God, that's not the end of it, right? Because what does it say? We need to resist the devil. So there's something we need to do as well. We can't just say, "Lord, please help me to stop smoking," or "Help me to to stop uh, you know, being an addict to computer games." What we need to do also, the next step, is to do what we can. And I'd like to read Matthew chapter five. Um, verse 28 this is the Sermon on the Mount Jesus is saying this Matthew 5 verse well, he's, he's, he's speaking about looking at a woman lustfully in verse 28 and then in verse 29 he says if your right eye causes you to sin pluck it out and cast it from you for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Uh, now, what does this mean? Does it mean we need to take out our eyes and cut off our hands? Uh, no, Jesus is speaking figuratively. But t believe me, it will feel like that when you start to cut the intake of that drug. Uh, when I, I was addicted to destructive music, and that destructive music was my life, you know? I had, I had on my, um, my computer, you know, many gigabytes of music. And that I remember when I got each, each music file that was so good. And when I, when I got convicted about this music, I realized that God wanted me to take it away. You know, I, I said, Lord, I want to serve you more. I want to, I want to honor you with my life. That was my, my first step. And then the Lord said, oh, right, you want to honor me with your life. How wonderful. I'll help you. Uh, by the way, that music that you have on your computer, what, what are you going to do with it? And I was like, Lord, that's my whole life. I can't take it away. And he's like, well, that's okay. But you said you wanted to honor me in your life. So these things were going on in my mind, uh, and I was like, well, I do want to honor you, Lord. And finally, I decided, okay, I'm going to delete this music. And that was like cutting off my arm, or tearing out my eye. It was so painful. But once I did it, I felt so relieved. I was like, wow, I'm pure. I'm actually... Uh, I, I don't have to have a bad conscience anymore. Because constantly I had been, my conscience had been nagged and, so, and was seared. Because I knew this music wasn't good, but I still listened to it. But finally I could, I could have peace in my soul about what I was doing. Uh, the other thing is to, con to control the thoughts. So quit the intake. That base means basically stop consuming that thing as far as possible. And then you need to control the thought. The battle rages in our mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, says this. 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And we need to fight the battle in our minds. If we, if we think about these things all the time, then we won't have the victory. But we need to um, control the thoughts. How do we avoid it? Well, stopping the intake, watching and looking at things that are not upbuilding. This will help us to control our thoughts. Avoid seeing things which will suggest impure thoughts. Cultivate morals and intellectual powers. So, what we see, what we listen to, what we hear, uh, those things will, will contribute to, um, imp- to either good, pure thoughts or impure thoughts. So that's how we can control it. Also, singing is a very powerful way to control your thoughts. I can at least sing a spiritual good song at the same time think impure thoughts. It just doesn't work. And, uh, but if you're singing impure songs, well, obviously, then your mind will be filled with that. Uh, make a covenant not to look at evil. Um, Job made a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully at a, at a young woman. Now, that's a very good thing for a young man to do. To make a covenant not to take that second look at that girl walking by or whatever it is, you know? Uh, or when the temptations come, make a covenant not to look at anything that will suggest impure thoughts. And then finally, claim God's promises. First Corinthians 10, 13 says that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God has given us the power to escape whenever we are tempted. And I'm, uh, in, in, the, in the time when I was fighting against exactly this habit in my own life, sometimes I felt that the temptation was overwhelming. And uh, it was as if I was, I was on my way to doing it, uh, even subconsciously. But when we claim the promises of God, and, and I told God, Where, where's the way out? You said there would be a way out. And God is like, well, have you looked in that corner? Uh, there is something you can do. There is the way out. And every time he will, he will give you uh, a way out. So... I believe, in summary, that media can be used for something beneficial, but it can also be something destructive. And if we break the habits uh, by using these principles, then God, or we, we will, our minds will work better, we will have greater joy in our own lives, and we will, we will also be able to use media to glorify God. And that's my desire. How about you? How are we praying? About the salt. Mm-hmm. You heard that salts become action, action becomes habits. So you can use your salt to make good habits or bad habits. That's right. That's right. 
Philippians 4, 8 says that whatever things are pure, whatever things are, are honorable and, and worthy, think about these things. And when we contemplate those things, we will be like that. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for speaking to us today. And uh, I just pray that you'll help us to honor you in, in our use of media. Uh, if we have addictions, Lord, I pray that you'll convict us of, of them and that you'll give us the power to break these. If that means uh, a fast or um, whatever that means, then Lord, make that clear to us what you're calling us to do. Help us to use these principles to your glory and uh, may the media that we use build up our character for your kingdom. This is my prayer in Christ's name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.